Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin Lahul hamdul hasan Wa thanaul jameel Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu Wahdahu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna sayyidina wa nabiyana Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi Wa ashabihi wa tabi'ina lahum Bihsanin ila yawmiddin amma ba'd Today insha'Allah ta'ala We're going to be taking uh, A small book In the science of usulul fiqh um, We've already speak, We've already spoken about Usulul fiqh, uh, what it is, uh, and a bit about it in our introduction last year. Today, inshallah ta'ala, we're just going to go uh, into the kitab bi'idhnillah uh, al-kareem without any further ado, bi'idhnillah. We are going to mention some benefits of usulul fiqh, inshallah ta'ala, in the beginning bi'idhnillah al-kareem. But we won't go too much details into it. Because we have an understanding of what usul al-fiqh is. We have an understanding, alhamdulillah, because we did the madkhal, the introduction to usul al-fiqh. So this risala is very small. It's written by Sheikh Abdurrahman Nasir al-Su'di, rahimahullah. Uh, Abdurrahman Nasir al-Su'di is the teacher of uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymin. It's his teacher uh, who taught him. Uh, Sheikh ibn Uthaymin studied with him. So... Sa'idi rahimahullah had a very big influence on Sheikh ibn Uthaymin. Very big influence. Lidharik, if you look at the works of Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, you tend to see that it's like the way of his teacher, Abdurrahman Nasir al-Sa'idi. Because Abdurrahman Nasir al-Sa'idi was a person who never used to like to make a science very complicated. Yani Sheikh Abdurrahman Nasir al-Sa'idi, his passion was to take complicated knowledge and to simplify it for the people. And Sheikh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah did the same thing when he came. He simplified uh, big books that you tend to think, how is a normal student of knowledge, uh, how is a student of knowledge going to uh, understand this book? It's very hard. But when Sheikh ibn Uthaymin takes the explanation of that book, it just becomes so easy, so simple, so understandable. And Sa'di was like that, rahimahumullah. May Allah have mercy upon both of them. Sheikh Allama Abdul Rahman Nasir Sa'di, with the knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, he also was a person who was good in his actions. Yani he was a abid, a worshipper, a person who feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala privately and publicly. Sheikh Abdul Nasir al-Sa'idi. So, his biography uh, and who he is can be found in a book written by Al-Allama uh, Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. Sheikh Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, either his master or his PhD, uh, he did it on Abdul Rahman Nasir al-Sa'idi. He did it on Abdul Rahman Nasir al-Sa'idi, Sheikh uh, Either his master or his PhD was on Sa'idi uh, rahimahullah. So let's start the kitab insha'Allah ta'ala. The author rahimahullah, he says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. He starts in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most gracious. He says, Alhamdu, praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you tend to see this a lot. The scholars, they start with the basmala and then they go for the hamdala. And the reason why they do that is because the uh, Quran, 
Suratul Fatiha, the Basmala, and then the Hamdala. You see? So, Bismillah, and then Alhamdulillah. There are five surahs in the Quran that start with Alhamdulillah. Five surahs. Who can answer the question? Who knows those five surahs in the Quran that start with, the surah starts with Alhamdulillah? Can anyone mention it? Surah Al-Fatir is one. Surah Al-An'am is one. Second. Three, Kaf. Jameel. So we have Kaf. We have Fatir. We have An'am. And So we have Fatir and Saba. Jameel, there you go. <coughs> Those are the five surahs. Surah Al-Fatiha, uh, Surah Al-An'am, uh, Surah Al-An'am, Surah Al-Kaf, Saba, and then Fatir. In that order. Those are the five surahs in the Quran where the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he starts with Alhamdu. Alhamdu is started with. And the word Alhamdu means to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by describing him in the best of descriptions. And it is also by venerating him and glorifying him. Okay. So the class, inshallah ta'ala, is going to be very interactive. So I want all of you to be uh, able to either, if you feel comfortable, uh, speaking on the microphone you can but remember to mute your microphone once you've answered and if not and you feel comfortable in typing then you can type inshallah ta'ala um, the uh, author rahimahullah he said alhamdulillah praises to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then after that he said nahmaduhu we praise him why would he say alhamdu and then nahmaduhu why would he bring it back as a verb when he has already mentioned it as a, a noun? What was the, what's, what's the wisdom in doing that? I hope the question is clear. The author said, Alhamdulillah, he praises to Allah. And then he said, Nahmaduhu, we praise him. So, Alhamdu is a noun, Nahmaduhu is a verb. Why would he mention the same thing? Twice, once as a noun and once as a verb. Because the word Nahamaduhu means we praise him. But we, he already said, Alhamdulillah, I praise Allah Ta'ala. Someone said to send extra praise to gain extra reward. La. No. La. No affirmation. And he deserves it. Like, why would he repeat it twice? Someone mentioned it. Because the praise of Allah is ongoing. There you go. The verb, it benefits us continuation and consistency. When you say, Alhamdulillah, Allah is... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is... I praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't show consistency. I praise him, that's it. Like in when you say, Nahmaduhu, we praise him, it shows al-mudawamat wal-istimrar. 
that your praising is consistent and it's continuous and it hasn't stopped. That is what he wants from it. Um, then the author said, Ala malahu min al husna. He's praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what? For his names. And his characteristics. Please ponder, please ponder on this point. He's praising Allah for having Asma'ul Husna Kamilatil He's praising Allah for having names and attributes. This is the difference between Hamd and Shukr. Shukr, you don't praise a person for what they are. You praise a person for what they do for you. That's what shukr is. Shukr is to thank someone, okay, for what they've done for you. But it is a praise. It's a praise. Shukr is a praise. You're praising someone and you're thanking them. You're showing gratitude for what they've done for you. Whereas alhamdu, okay, what does it do? Alhamdu is uh, for what the person is only. Okay. And uh, sorry, and Alhamdu also is what they've done for you as well. Sah, sah. Alhamdu is what they've done for you and what they are. Whereas shukr is only what they've done for you. Okay? That's the difference between the two. Allah has names and he has attributes. Names and attributes. Yani name is, a name is an ism, right? And a sifat is a what? Characteristics. Attribute. All of Allah's names, they are characteristics as well. So the characteristics are more than the names. The characteristics are more than the names. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has some characteristics that are not his name. That are not his names. There are some characteristics of Allah that are not his names. وَصِفَاتِ الْكَابِلَةِ الْعُلْيَا So he's saying, I praise Allah for that, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَعَلَىٰ أَحْكَامِهِ الْقَدَرِيَّةِ الْعَامَّةِ لِكُلِّ مُكَوَّنٍ وَمَوْجُودٍ And I also praise Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, on his what? الْأَحْكَامِ الْقَدَرِيَّةِ The universal signs. The universal signs. I... I what I do is I praise Allah Taala for this universe and how He structured it and the way He made it and the way He brought it about. I praise Him for it. And I also praise Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for the second type of ahkam. Then the ahkam are two types. The ahkam are what? Two types: universal and shar'i. Legislative The legislative Is the Quran and the Sunnah Ahkam shar'iya And there's ahkam which is known as Ahkam qadariya Ahkam kawniya Universal signs Universal signs So I praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for both he's saying Wa ashhadu I bear witness Allah ilaha illallah That there is none worthy of worship except Allah Wahdahu alone La sharika lah He doesn't have no partners Sorry, he has no partners in worship, he has no partners in names, and he has no partners in his characteristics, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has no partners in worship, and he has no partners in ruling. Allah is the only one who rules. 
وأشهد أي بيوئنس أن محمد العبده ورسوله that Muhammad is his messenger and his slave ورسوله and his prophet messenger إذا النبي الله محمد is a prophet and he's a slave by saying that by saying he's a prophet and he's a slave you are by saying he's a slave you are putting the Prophet ﷺ lower than Allah Azza wa Jalla. So you're not pushing him high to becoming the same as Allah. No. When you say he's a messenger, you're taking him up from the rest of the people. Like he's not a normal slave of Allah. He's a messenger. وَأَشَادُ عَيْبَاءُ وَنَّسَ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ is the messenger, slave of Allah. وَرَسُولُهُ and his messenger. الذي بين الحكم والأحكام. The Prophet ﷺ he clarified to us the wisdoms and the rulings. ووضح الحلال والحرام. And he made clear for us what is halal from what is haram. وأصل الأصول وفصلها. The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he gave us foundation and he explained those foundations. حتى استتم هذا الدين واستقام. Until this religion became complete. And it became grounded and rooted. Allahumma salli wa sallim. Oh Allah, send salutation and peace. Ala Muhammadin, O Nabiullahi Muhammad. Wa ala alihi and his family. Wa ashabihi and his companions. Wa atba'i and anyone who follows him. Khususan al-ulama'i al-a'lab. Especially the scholars. Amma ba'du to proceed. This was the muqaddimah. That the author, rahimahullah, did. In the muqaddimah, the author did the following things. He started with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Number two, he mentioned Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And the third is Al-Shahadatu Allah ilaha illallah. And the fourth one is Shahadatu ala anna Muhammadana abduhu wa rasooluh. The Nabiullah Muhammad is the slave and the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the author rahimahullah said, Amma ba'du to proceed. Whenever you see the word Amma Ba'du, um, there's always going to be a fa after it somewhere. Okay? Fahadihi, that's why you, you see it. Because it's the jawab. Fahadihi risalatun. The word Amma Ba'du is used, the word Amma Ba'du is used after the introduction. You say to proceed. Intiqal min uslubin ila akhar, the ulama say. You're moving from one discussion to another discussion. What you're trying to say is, after I've said Bismillah, and I've done the Hamdallah, and I've done Salah and Salam on the Prophet wasallam, and I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jalla, to proceed. That's what Amma Ba'du is. فَهَذِهِ رِسَالَةٌ This is a little treaty. لَطِيفَةٌ It's a small, good treaty. The author is saying, in what subject? Fi usulul fiqh. In the subject usulul fiqh. Okay, this is in usulul fiqh. Now the author mentions. I want you to, inshallah ta'ala, write this down, or even uh, if you um, have the hard copy, then just under the, underline this, inshallah ta'ala. The author mentioned that his book has three unique characteristics, or maybe not unique, but three qualities that his book has. The first one is sahlatul alfad. The wordings are very easy. Very easy wordings. He's not going to use al-fad, which are rakaka, hard words that are hard to pronounce and very hard on the tongue. Sahlatul al-fad. The wordings are very simple. 
And Alama Sa'di was well known for that. Wadihatul Ma'ani. And the words I'm going to use, the meanings are straightforward. Straightforward meaning. There's no ambiguity in the wordings I'm going to be using. So they're very easy wordings. Easily understood. And what they mean? And the third one is Mu'inatun ala ta'allumil ahkami li kulli muta'amminin ma'ani. He said, it's mu'inatun, it aids you in learning the ahkam of the religion for everybody who looks at it deeply. So the wordings I'm going to be using, I'm the, my book, my book, Amamari Salah, if you study it, it's going to help you in understanding, into knowing the ahkam of the religion. So those are the three qualities that this book has. The first one is, Sahlatul Al-Fad, the wordings are very easy. The third, second one is wadihatul ma'ani. The meanings are straightforward. Number three, mu'inatul ala ta'allum al-ahkam. It's easy. Sorry, it, it, sorry. It helps you. It helps you to understand the rulings of the religion. Allahumma barik. Nas'alullah. We ask Allah an yanfa' biha jami'aha wa qari'aha innu jawadun kareem. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala an yanfa' biha jami'aha. That Allah rewards the one who compiled it. وَقَارِئَهَا And the one who read it. إِنَّهُ جَوَّادٌ كَرِيمٌ Allah is the one who gives. Jawad is the one who gives. كَرِيمٌ generous. عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنُ نَاصِرِ السُّعْدِيُّ Now we're going to start inshaAllah ta'ala. The book. He started his book with the first chapter to define usul al-fiqh. Again, usul al-fiqh is a two-word. Usul and fiqh. Usul and so the way to define it is in two ways. The first way is uh, we define the word usul and then we define the word fiqh. We define usul and then we define fiqh. The second way to do it is we define it together. Usul al-fiqh as a subject. As a subject we define it. So what we're going to now do is we're going to define usul by, by itself and then al-fiqh by itself and then we're going to define it together inshallah ta'ala okay first step which is what does usul mean usul is plural is jam'u aslin is a plural um, the word usul is a plural the singular is asal asal is the singular okay what does the word asal mean asal means foundation in the Arabic language the word asal means it means al-asasul ladhi it's the base and the foundation which everything is built on. Okay? That's how it is. What about istilahan? Technically, the scholars, when they use the word usul, what do they mean? So we understood the linguistic meaning. The linguistic meaning is that it's the foundation. Okay? It's the foundation. That's. The question here is. What is it in the technical usage? When the ulama use it, what do they mean by it? There's many meanings. There are many meanings that they mean by it, the scholars when they use the word uh, usul. The first one is a dalil, evidence. Sometimes they use the word usul as the word evidence. They use it interchangeably with the word evidence. Evidence, a dalil, a dalil. Okay? The word usul becomes and it takes the place of delil, evidence. Okay? The example for that is when they say, Aslu hadi al-mas'ala al-kitab wa sunnah. Ponder and listen. 
aslu hadihi al-mas'ala al-kitabu was-sunna aslu hadihi al-mas'ala al-kitabu was-sunna i repeat again aslu hadihi al-mas'ala al-kitabu was-sunna what do they mean aslu hadihi al-mas'ala they mean dalilu hadihi al-mas'ala dalilu hadihi al-mas'ala does that make sense so they use it as the word dalil evidence Okay. The second usage that the scholars sometimes use the word, it is a technical meaning by the way. The second meaning is they use it as al-qa'idatul kulliyatul mustamirrah. The continual principle. The scholars they use as the word asal as a uh, as the meaning of continual principle. The principles some of them are continuous, they're just ongoing. The the principles always going. So ongoing principle. They use the word asal as that sometimes. For example, they say ibahatul maytati lil mudarri ala khilaf al asli. Allowing the uh, the dead corpse for the one who is in need, in a state of necessity, it is khilaful asli. It's in opposition to the asal. It's what. It's in opposition to the asal. What does it mean? It's in, op- it's in opposition to the asal. It means it's in, a, it's, an, it's in opposition towards the qa'idatil kulliyatil mustamirra. It goes against that continual principle which was you can't eat dead corpse. Does that make sense? The third meaning that the word asal is used as at, by the scholars, they sometimes use it as is ar-rujhan. When two opinions, they want to strengthen one, they say as. The one they, the stronger one, they call it asal. So the stronger of two opinions, they refer to it as asal. Like when they say al-aslu fil kalam al-haqiqa. Okay. In other words, in other words, they use it as the default position. When they want to say the default position for this issue is, they say asal. Asal. Okay? And the other one is that they use it for al-maqisu alayhi. As we're going to see in the chapter of al-qiyas, analogy, we're going to see in the chapter of qiyas, analogy. You're doing qiyas. And a lot of you guys have heard that before. We do qiyas, right? When you do qiyas, qiyas stands on four pillars. Qiyas stands on four pillars. One of the pillars of Qiyas is Asal. There's a pillar called Asal. So the scholars refer to one of the pillars of Qiyas as Asal. Okay? Um, Before I move on, has everyone understood that? Before I move on. Okay, I'm going to repeat one more time, inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to repeat, inshallah ta'ala. We have the word usul al-fiqh. When you study a subject, it is a necessary thing to understand the meaning of the word. If you're studying fiqh, the question is, what is fiqh? You're studying aqeedah, 
Okay, what's aqeedah? What does aqeedah mean? You're studying uh, manhaj. What does manhaj mean? You're studying qawaid uh, al-fiqih. What does qawaid al-fiqih mean? Whatever subject that you're studying, the question is, what's the definition? Ta'rifuhu, ma'nahu, its meaning. If you don't know its meaning, you will not be able to come with it. Okay? So, usul al-fiqh, we have to know what it means. But when the scholars define usul al-fiqh, they define it in two steps. Two steps. The first step is, they define the... So this is how they do it. They say, the scholars when they define it, they say usul has to be defined and fiqh has to be defined and then again they come back to it and they define it together. So they say, um, it's going to be defined uh, together. Okay, together as a subject, as a whole. So now what we're doing is we're trying to define each one separately. The first one is usul. Usul, when we define it, we have to define it in two ways. Lughatan, which means linguistically. Or lexical. I don't know if lexical is with a C, is A or uh, O, I don't, I'm not sure. Or istilahan. Okay? So we, istilahan means technically. Okay? It's important that we understand it. This is just the word usul. Usul, lughatan, it means asasu shay. It's the foundation, asasu shay. Simple, straightforward. That's what it means. But what does it mean, istilahan? Istilahan, it has a couple of meanings. Yani technically, it's used in a couple of meanings. Okay? One of the meanings that it has is ad-dalil. It's used as the word dalil. Yani, the word usul is used as dalil, technically sometimes. Okay? What does it mean, technically? Dalil. The place where you would say, my delil in this issue, I'm at the delil in this issue, you can say the asal in this issue. And it's the same. Okay? Is that point understood? Has everyone understood that point? Has everyone understood that point so far? Huh? Is that crystal clear? Ha, ah, okay. Then the second usage of the word usul is al-qa'idah al-kulliyah al-mustamirrah What does this mean? This one is a bit tricky, right? See, in, in the religion there are things which are all the, way, all the time they are like this. For example, we know that uh, a dead animal Uh, uh, is haram to consume, right? Sah? Hey, question. Is it haram, a, a dead animal, are you allowed to consume it? 
Are you allowed to eat a dead haram? What did I say? What was Are you allowed to eat a dead animal? Did I say dead haram? Uh, sorry. I'm, yeah, so you're not allowed to, right? You're not allowed to eat a dead animal. It's haram. You're not allowed to consume a dead animal. It's haram. لا يجوز. Haram to consume it. صح? But what about if necessity comes into place? Okay, there's a necessity. A person's dying, life and death situation. They have to eat. They're in the desert. They just all they found was a dead animal. It becomes permissible now, sah? Because of necessity, right? Good. Good. You can, right? You can. Once it's a necessity, you can. Now, the scholars they say this is um, like permitting the dead animal for the person who's in a state of necessity to allow a person to eat a dead corpse in a state of necessity is in opposition to the qa'idah, the principle, the principle. Which principle was it? That it's haram. Every time it was haram. Al-qa'idah It goes against that principle that was known. It goes against it. Does that make sense? So they say, Ibahatul Maititi, Ibahatu. Lil Mub. Okay. Look what they say. Ibahatul Maititi. Allowing the dead animal. Say, allow, allowing the dead animal for the one who's in a state of necessity. Lil-Muddarri, the one who's in necessity. Khilaful asli is in opposition to the asal. What asal? It goes against al-qa'idatul-kulliyatul-mustamira. And then the word al-aslu is sometimes used as al-qa'idatul-kulliyatul-mustamira. Does that make sense? So they use it, the word asal, like for example, is like this. You're going to see the scholars sometimes say this. When they say this and you hear it, Ibahatul Maytatul il Muddari Khilaful Asli, you understand, ah, oh, they mean Al Qa'idatul Kuliyatul Mustamirra. It goes against the continual principle. The this, by the way, means, this means uh, the comprehensive continual principle. Okay, that's what it means. Has everybody understood that? Has everyone understood that? Yeah, okay, good. Everyone, everyone's understood that, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Okay, the third meaning that the word asal means is ar-rujhan. The third meaning that it has is ar-rujhan. Okay, please pay attention with me. You have two opinions. Okay? So you have two opinions, uh, two opinions in front of you. One opinion is 70% and the other opinion is 30%. Okay? Which of those opinions is stronger? Which opinion is stronger? There's one opinion which is 70% and there's another opinion which is 30%. Which opinion is stronger? 
Naam. So common sense would say that, yeah, common sense would say it's the one that's 70, right? It's, it's more. The one that's 30% is very little. Good, correct. This one is called Rajih in Arabic. And this is called Marjuh. Can you see it? Rajih means it's stronger. Rajih, it was stronger. And this is called Marjuh. Sah? Okay? This is called Rajih and this is called Marjuh. Does everyone understand that point? Is everyone with me so far? We all on the same bus? Are we all on the same bus? Okay? We all on the same bus. We're on the same bus, okay, everyone? But also social distancing. We're still social, social distancing on the bus, okay? Social distancing on the bus. Okay. So we have Rajih and we have what? We have Marjuh. Rajih and Marjuh. The 70% is called Rajih and this is called Marjuh. The Asal is referred to as the Rajih. This is called Asal sometimes. So if there's two opinions, one is stronger than the other, the scholars, they will refer to that as, as, as Asal. The one that's stronger. And the weaker one, they will just call it Marjuh. But they will refer to this one, the Rajih one, as the Asal sometimes. That's the second, third usage they, they have it for. Okay? Is everyone with me? Can you see? Okay, let me repeat it again. Um, let me give you an example of something, okay? Okay? I, I say to you, for example, okay, I'm going to say something to you. I saw a lion. Okay? I saw a lion, okay? Does everyone understand that? Can you see? Is it better now? I saw a lion. Okay? I saw a lion. Does, does everyone understand? Everyone can hear that, right? Can everyone hear me? Someone's mic is on, it's true. Someone's mic is on. I mute your mic, inshallah. Ta'ala. Someone's forgotten, so forgotten to mute their mic. Um. Okay, I've done it. Pay attention, everyone. I saw a lion. Does that make sense? Everyone understand that, right? I saw a lion. I saw a lion. And it's, it makes sense to everybody. Okay, when I said I saw a lion, what did you understand from it? When I said I saw a lion? What did you understand from that? Yes, 
Yeah, naam. So the, what you thought of is a haywan muftaris. You, you thought of the lion, the king of the jungle, the one, the only one. That's, that's what you thought of, right? And then 70% of everyone's mind understood it to mean the animal, the king of the jungle, wa ma ila dali. But there is a 30%. There's a 30%. You can't dismiss that I might mean a brave person. There is a 30% there that I could refer, I'm referring to a brave person. It could even, I'm just giving you these numbers, by the way, just as, uh, to make it easy. It could be 80% and 20% here, or 90% and 10% here. It doesn't matter. I just like the, 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 the number 70. But do you guys understand the point? There is a percentage of it referring to a brave person. Sah? Does that make sense? There is that percentage of it referring to a brave person. You can't dismiss that. Okay. Okay. This is where the scholars say, a statement that comes from a person, do we, which one is the rajih and which is the marjuh? They have to strengthen one up. They have to say which one? Why did a lot of you guys say lion? Because the lion is the literal. It's the literal meaning, right? Exactly, correct. Somebody said it. You're taking metaphorically. The metaphorical usage is weaker. And everyone who talks to you you generally understand their wordings as its literal meaning. صح? And the metaphorical is always small in, 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 in percentage. So, الرجحان. you stretch, look, what you did, look what you just did. You took, you said that the literal meaning is 70%, which is rajih, and the marjuh is the metaphorical. So, this is what you said. Literal, met. Does that make sense? Is that good? Is that good? Is everyone with me so far? Okay, the fourth usage of the word, um, the fourth usage of the uh, word. The fourth usage of the word usul uh, that the scholars technically use it is al maqisu alayh. Al maqisu alayhi. Okay. Al maqisu alayhi. Al maqisu alayhi. What does this mean? So, al-maqisu alayhi means, you know when we do analogy, analogy, which is al-qiyas. For example, we have alcohol. Alcohol is mentioned in the Quran. 
So, analogy. So, analogy, we have in, mentioned in the Quran. Nowadays, drugs has come out. Okay, drugs have come out. We want, we want to give drugs a ruling and come to a conclusion what drugs is. But we have to compare it to something that was stated in the Quran and the Sunnah. This is called Qiyas. Where com- Qiyas, analogy. Quran stated this one. We want to give this one the same ruling as this one. But there are four steps that we need to follow. Four steps. Four steps for the Qiyas to be correct. The first one is, there has to be an Asal. An Asal means... There has to be alcohol. The, the alcohol is the thing that's being discussed. So there has to be a textually stated thing, which is al-maqisu ali. The thing that you're going to do the qiyas from, there has to be an asal. And the alcohol here is the asal. asal. Num- that's number one. The second thing that needs to be there is al-farah. Al-farah is the drug. The drug is the farah. It's the thing you're going to do the qiyas for. Okay? Number three is Al-Illah, which is the reason of why alcohol was haram, intoxication. And the third one is Al-Hukmu, the ruling, which is prohibition. Understand here, any Qiyas that is done, any Qiyas that is done, okay, any Qiyas that is done is... These four pillars have to be in place. Asal, what does asal mean? Asal means the thing that you're going to do the analogy from. Which one are we going to do the analogy from? Which one are we going to take the, the ruling from? It's the alcohol, right? Because that's the one the Quran mentioned. So that's the asal. The scholars use the word asal here as al-maqisu alayh. The thing that you're going to do the qiyas from. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? Yeah, am I making sense? Those are the four those are the four usages the four most common usages of the word al-asl technically. Yani technically the scholars when they use the word asl technically they're referring to those four. Am I making sense? They're referring to those four. Either they're referring to it as a dalil, or al-qa'idatul kulliyatul mustamirra, or al-rujhan, or al-maqisu alayhi. Okay? Am I making sense? Okay. That's. Is that understood? Has everyone understood? Yeah? Crystal clear? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Now what we're going to do is, we've spoken about usul. All of that was just usul. We've spoken about usul lughatan in the Arabic language. We spoke about the word usul istilahan, technically what it means. Now we're going to go into the word al-fiqhu. Al-fiqhu. 
Okay? Someone asked a question whilst I was uh, teaching, writing. Someone asked the difference between ikhtilaf and khilaf. Okay? The difference between khilaf and ikhtilaf. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to speak about that in the uh, ending of the book. When we speak about al-mujtahid, the mujtahid and the muqallid and the mutabi'i, inshallah. It's going to come to us at the ending. The difference between the two. Okay? It's going to come to us at the ending of the book. Inshallah ta'ala. Okay, pay attention to this. We don't want to lose our focus. The word asal, we've now understood it. Before we move on to the word al-fiqh, is everyone with me so far? Is everyone with me? Uh, before we move on, I want to know that everyone's with me. Yeah? Okay. Uh, we're just going to take a break for Salatul Asr. It just came in right now, sah? We're going to pray Salatul Asr. And we're going to come back after Salatul Asr, inshallah ta'ala, okay? Okay. We're now going to go into the definition of the word al-fiqh. We're now going to go into the meaning of the word al-fiqh. What does al-fiqh mean? The word al-fiqh, what does it mean? Again, when we define it, we have to define it lughatan. And the second is istilahan. Okay, lughatan means the lexical meaning, the uh, linguistic, the linguistic meaning. And istilahan means the uh, technical meaning. Yani, the Arabs, what do they mean by the word al-fiqh? They meant al-fiqh is al-fahmu. It's to understand. Al-fahmu is to understand. And the evidence that they use is qawluhu ta'ala rabbi li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul. Wahlul uqdatan Wahlul uqdatan min lisani And the ayah goes on Wahlul uqdatan min lisani Yafqahu qawli What does yafqahu qawli mean? A yafhamu qawli Sah? So the word al-fiqh in the Arabic language It means al-fahmu Is to comprehend Some of the scholars They said no, no it can't. The word fiqh cannot mean al-fahmu and you all know the famous discussion amongst the, the linguists, even in English. They discussed, can two words mean the same meaning? And they said, that's impossible. Two words can't have the same exact meaning. There has to be some differences. Okay? So, again, what's the difference? The question here is. Okay? That's what they said. The difference, inshallah ta'ala, is that the word al-fiqhu in the language... It means al-fahmu daqiq detailed understanding. Does that make sense? Detailed understanding. It doesn't just mean mere understanding. It means the kind of understanding that requires 
observation that requires critical thinking. They said that that's what fiqh means. Fiqh is not just a, to understand something quickly. Like for example, if someone was to say to you, the sky is above us. They said that's not fiqh. If you understood what that person was saying, they said that is not fiqh. Because everyone here understands that and everyone knows that the sky is above us. Are you with me? But they said fiqh is to understand something that requires observation, it requires critical thinking, it requires, um, it requires detailed analyzing. Okay? That's what it means in the Arabic language. The word al-fiqh means faham ama faham al-daqiq. What does it mean, istilahan? This is the question here. What does the word uh, what does the word fiqh mean istilahan? According to the scholars, what does the word al-fiqh mean? Okay. Al-fiqh technically means it is ma'rifah. It is to know. What is it that you're going to know? Al-ahkam so you know you're learning what al-ahkam al-shar'iyah al-amaliyah okay from where al-muktasabah min adilatiha at-taf we have to break this down We are going to have to break this down Fiqh It means The following Number one Ma'rifa That's point number one Ma'rifa The second one is Al-Ahkam Ash-Shar'iyah Number three Are we all together? Number three is Al-Amaliyah Number four I'm taking it down from here Okay And number four is Al-Muqtasabah min adillatiha al-Tafsiliyah And number four is It's taken from what? Let me just check one thing. Al-Muqtasabah And number five Is Adilatiha At-Tafsiliyah 
Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Please pay attention with me here. Pay attention with me here. We are now going to go into what does fiqh mean to the scholars, technically. What is the word fiqh? I'm studying fiqh. I'm learning fiqh. I know fiqh. I'm upon the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa or the fiqh of Imam Malik or Shafi'i or Ahmed. What does the word fiqh actually mean? Here's the definition, which is Ma'rifatul Ahkam al al min tafsiliya. I this is the definition, and I broke it down into five points. Five points. Five points. Okay, five points. One, two, three, four, and five. Five points. Five points. These five points is what makes the definition of fiqh. These five uh, what makes the definition of al-fiqh? Is everybody with me so far? Is everybody with me so far? Am I making sense so far? <laughs> yeah? These five points is what fiqh means. The first one is ma'rifah. It is to know. Write this down. F- write this down. This is important. The first one is ma'rifah. It's to know. It's to know. In fiqh, when you know something, does it have to be certainty or even or high speculation? Okay. Pay attention. When we say ma'rifa means to know, fiqh is to know. Does it mean with certainty or with high speculation or does it mean both? Asadullah mentioned it. Both. Fiqh is known with both. Write that down. Fiqh is known. So when we said ma'rifa to know. It means al-ilmu is to have knowledge. Okay? It means to have ilm and knowledge. That's one. And the second one is al-dhannul ghalib. Al-dhannul ghalib. It is to have knowledge and high speculation. High speculation. Because some issues in fiqh is based upon high speculation. It's not based on certainty. High speculation. Like for example, uh, which one um, do, you, uh, do you do in some issues of fiqh? Scholars are like, this is the strongest opinion. But that doesn't mean they're, they're 100% certain. They, they believe 99.9% is this. Now for example, we know that the khamar is haram. That's certainty. There's no debate about that. We know that zina is haram. That's certainty. That's certainty, 110%. But there might be a question regarding a particular business transaction. Someone asks us. We will have not certainty regarding. We have ghalabatum, one high speculation that this 
is haram. Okay? So, fiqh is known by al-ilmu knowledge. Nadhanu al-ghalib. Nadhanu al-ghalib. Both. Both. That's good. The second point. Before I move on to the second point, does everyone understand? Yeah? Is everyone with me so far? Yeah? Is everyone with me so far? Okay, very good. The second point is, the second point is Al-Ahkam Al-Shari'ah. So you have knowledge or high certainty of an issue related to the Sharia, a ruling related to the Sharia. The second point is the knowledge and the high speculation that you have, the ma'rifah, the understanding that you have, that knowledge or that high speculation is based on al-ahkam al-shar'iyyah, a shar'i related issue. So fiqh hasn't got anything to do with what? So what leaves the discussion? What is no longer in the discussion ever again anymore? Al-Ahkam Al-Aqliyah Al-Ahkam Al-Aqliyah Al-Ahkam Al-Aqliyah are what? Things that are known rationally Fiqh has nothing to do with anything that is known rationally we, not, This is Ahkam Shari'ah Shari'i rulings uh, That's why you're not going to use your Aqal in uh, issues of fiqh and say halal and haram because I think or I feel. لا, لا. It's al-hakam, al-shari'ya, shari'i rulings. Are we all together? Also what leaves is al-hakam, what also leaves the discussion is al-hakam, al-hissiya. You see, al-hakam al-hissiya means what? Uh, things which are tangible. They're just tangible. Everyone knows it. Like the fire burns. That's, that's tangible. You can feel it. You, you put your fan, you're going to burn. Oh, that's not in the discussion. Okay. Also, Al-Ahkam Al-Wad'iyah Al-Ahkam Al-Wad'iyah here means the Ahkam that people placed is not in the discussion. Like for example, what we took in grammar, the anna al-fa'il marfu', anna al-mubtada' marfu', anna al-khabar marfu', anna al-maf'ul bi mansub. This is ahkam that people placed. That's not part of the discussion. Okay? It's only al-ahkam sharia. These three are not in the discussion. Get rid of these three. Okay? It's all al-ahkam al-shari'ah. So you're having knowledge or high speculation of al-ahkam shari'ah, jurisprudent ruling. Is everybody with me so far? Am I making sense? Yeah? Am I making sense? Is anyone out there who doesn't understand?
Can I explain the third one? Al-ahkam al-wad'iyya is the ahkam that people placed. Like for example, any science that you go to, they placed rules and regulations for their science. So you go to grammar, they placed in grammar that the, this, this thing is called fa'il, and the fa'il is marfu', and the mubtada is marfu', and the khabar is marfu', and the maf'unubi is mansub, wa hakada. These are al-ahkam al-wad'iyya. They place those rulings. They're not from Allah Azza wa Jalla and the Messenger. Allah did not say that the Mubtada is marfu' and Allah didn't say that. Allah didn't call it Mubtada. Allah didn't call it Khabar. Allah didn't call it Fa'il. It's a made rule for people to understand the Arabic grammar. Okay? These three, as soon as we said Al-Ahkam Al-Shar'iyyah, these three are out of the discussion. They are not in the discussion. The discussion here is only Ahkam Shar'iyyah. Okay? Good. Now, now I'm going to go into the third part, which is Al-Amaliyyah. Al-Amaliyyah means what? Al-Amaliyyah means it's action-based. It's the two chapters that we've studied in Fiqh, which is Al-Ibadat, and al-mu'amalat. And in ibadat, what was there? Al-tahara. Al-salah. It's action-based. Al-zakat. Action-based. Al-sawm. Action-based. Al-hajj. Action-based. Al-zawaj. Action-based. Al-buyu'ah. Action-based. You see my point? It deals with amaliya action based. What are we trying to get rid of? We're trying to get rid of al-ilmiya. What does al-ilmiya mean? Yeah. What does al-ilmiya mean? Al-ilmiya means aqidah. Fiqh does not deal with aqidah. Fiqh does not deal with aqidah. Ah, it doesn't. Okay? Are we all together? Am I making sense? The reason why we said amaliyya, action-based, is we're trying to get rid of al-ilmiyya, belief. They don't discuss that in, in, in fiqh. So it's amali-based, it's not ilmi. Okay? In the books of fiqh, when you come to it, you don't study aqidah, you study fiqh. Fiqh, that's it. How to do tahara, how to pray, how to give zakat, how to give sawm, hajj, how to buy and sell. Aqidah is something you must, you had to have taken before that. Aqidah is referred to as ilmiyah and fiqh is relate, referred to as amaliyah. Always remember that. Especially Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and his student ibn al-Qayyim and ibn al-Izz al-Hanafi and uh, many scholars, many scholars. They use the word al-ilmiyyah as aqidah and tawheed. They say masail ilmiyyah wa masail amaliyyah. If they say masail ilmiyyah, they're referring to aqidah related issues. And when they say masail amaliyyah, they're referring to fiqh. Because fiqh is what? Action based. It's action based. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Am I making sense? Yeah? We all together, huh? Oh, okay. The fourth point of the definition. What does word al-muqtasaba mean? Muqtasaba means to benefit. And I want you to ponder here. The word al-muqtasaba means al-mustafada min al-adillati tafsiliya bitariqin nadari. Al-muqtasaba means that the person is benefiting from it directly. He's benefiting from it. It's not something that was just given to them. Like the blind follower. The blind follower, he's told it's haram to do this. And he's like, okay. That's not fiqh according to the scholars. According to the scholars, that's not fiqh. What you have right now is not fiqh. Because the way you've attained the knowledge of this issue is not by You didn't look at it yourself. You didn't ponder it over it yourself. You didn't come to that yourself. You were told and you took it. It's not from the angle of iktisab. You didn't gain it yourself. It was given to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? Muhammad said, I don't understand. It's okay. The fourth, fourth point is that it's attained by looking and observing. Yani, fiqh is something that you come to when you looked at the Quran, you looked at the Sunnah. You looked at the aqwal of the ulama. You came with the conclusion. You wrote down the conclusion. That's fiqh to them. Like in anything that came to you by way of blind following. Someone came up to you and said to you, uh, this is halal. And you're like, okay. Or someone came up to you and said to you, this is haram. And you said, okay. That's not fiqh to them. That's not fiqh. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Am I, am I making sense so far? Pay attention. Pay attention, brothers and sisters. Pay attention. I really want you to pay attention here. So the person has to have looked at the issue, observed it, and came to the conclusion regarding it. That's what fiqh is. And the person who has fiqh is called what? The person who has fiqh, what's he called? Or the person who's got good fiqh, what's he called? What do we call him? Ha, ah, we call him faqih. Faqih. If, if fiqh means this, the one who has fiqh is called a faqih. A faqih cannot come from blind following. Does that make sense now? Does that make sense? A faqih is not a blind follower. He looks himself, he observes himself. Because that's the definition of fiqh. Fiqh means al-muqtasaba. He came to this conclusion. Okay, am I making sense? Are we all together? Now the last point we're going to go to, inshallah ta'ala. The last point. 
The last point that we're going to go to is Adilatiha At-Tafsiliya Adilatiha At-Tafsiliya is something you have to understand The evidences are two types The evidences are what? Two types, two types of evidences Adilah Ijmaliya Adilah Comprehensive evidence Detailed Detailed evidence Pay attention. The evidences are two types. Adilla ijmaliya and Adilla tafsiliya. What's the difference? Fiqh, fiqh is Adilla tafsiliya. It's detailed knowledge. When you study fiqh, you are studying detailed information, detailed issues. Now we all together, you're going to go into Tahara, and then when you go into Tahara, you're going to go to the chapter of al miyah and then you're going to go into the chapter of Al-Awani, and then you're going to go into the chapters of And then each one, there's so many things that come out of it. Fiqh is Adilla Tafsiriya, it is detailed evidence. Everything is detailed. Are we all together? And it breaks into even more and more and more. Does that make sense? That's fiqh. That's fiqh. This is fiqh. Does that make sense? The one that's comprehensive evidence is usul al-fiqh. Usul al-fiqh it's comprehensive evidences. How is it comprehensive evidence? You have one evidence and it enters many chapters of the religion. That's usul al-fiqh. Adilla ijmaliya, comprehensive evidence. Comprehensive evidence. Okay? Comprehensive evidence is usul al-fiqh. Usul al-fiqh is not detailed. La la la, it's not. It's comprehensive. It's just one principle, you memorize it. And that's comprehensive. You can use it here, and here, and here, and here, and here. It's very comprehensive. It can apply in many chapters of the religion. Such as, for example, Al-Amru Taqtadil Wujub. That the command shows obligation. You can use that for Salah, Zakat, Sawm, Hajj, Bay'ah, Nikah, all the chapters of the religion. Are we all together? Because it's a comprehensive evidence. You hold it onto it, you put it, every, you put it in a lot of places. Fiqh on the other hand, no, it's not, it's not. You're studying Salah, that's it, you're studying Salah in details. You're studying Zakat in details. You're studying Hajj in details. You're studying this in details. Hakada. If someone was to ask you, what is the difference between Fiqh and Usul al-Fiqh? This is it. This, this is all the difference is. Fiqh is detailed evidence. Usul al-Fiqh is comprehensive evidence. That's the only difference between the two. Imagine that. That's how quick you can answer it. 
and we have finished inshallah ta'ala the uh, uh, lesson for today inshallah ta'ala anyone have any questions